Welcome to episode 67 of the Book Wars Pod. I am Chris. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Kate and Kristen. And before we get started, we wanted to uh, talk about some fairly big news in the Star Wars publishing universe that happened this week. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, So we are recording this on, I don't know what day it is. Sunday the 14th. Thank you. Yeah, we did it. Dates. (laughs) Yes. And um, late on Friday, because um, what a great time to dump bad news so they don't have to fucking answer reporter questions. Uh, Late on Friday, uh, Marvel let Chuck Wendig know that he was fired from, uh, what is it, Shadow of Vader? Shadow of Vader. Shadow of Vader, his upcoming uh, short run series that he was going to do. As well that they literally announced last weekend, by the way. At Comic Con. Yeah, at New York Comic Con. (laughs) No, like, don't be sorry. It, it's just, it's like less than a week old. The, I know. The news that he was doing it. Literally. Fuck literally. you. Oh, it was, oh God. Um, so they fired him from that as well as an upcoming unnamed Star Wars project uh, that we will probably never find out about until they get, unless they get a new person to do it, I guess, because good God. Uh, but the reason why he was fired is because um, apparently uh, enough people, and by people, I mean fucking white supremacist fascist supporting goddamn idiots uh screamed at marvel because chuck went off after uh kavanaugh was confirmed to the supreme court uh, and was just you know screaming about i shouldn't say screaming we mean screaming in the good way Scre- screaming in the like lovable way like you in know, the how- way we scream yeah exactly yep. <laughs> um but he was uh speaking out against uh fascism and civility and all this other bullshit that got Kavanaugh pushed through his confirmation so fucking quickly, despite the fact that, um, you know, he should have been vetted more thoroughly, certainly investigated more thoroughly. Um, and, you know, like any of, any of the people who came forward with accusations against him should have been listened to with any degree of seriousness, but, you know, whatever. Um, but Chuck got pretty incensed about this, as uh, many of you will understand why, because we were pretty fucking incensed about it. And as you know, if you follow Chuck on social media or read his blog or anything else, Chuck has a, uh, you know, he's got he's got a certain um, social media presence style. He has a voice. Absolutely. Um, much like me on Twitter, he says fuck a lot. And apparently people got mad that he was... Number one, having a political opinion on Twitter. Number two, having a political opinion that uh, fucking um, fascist fuckboys disagreed with. And number three, uh, saying fuck on the internet. So how uh, dare he? I I know. Like no one here does that. <laughs> uh, absolutely not. <laughs> um. So the editor at Marvel, who's in charge of special projects, including the Star Wars comics, uh, gave him a call on Friday and told him. That because of his quote-unquote vulgarity on Twitter and um, talking about politics, he was fired. Yeah, and, you know, we don't know a ton about this. We only know Chuck's, what Chuck has said. And Chuck has been very uh, forthcoming about this to, you know, his own credit and, like, you know, wanting to share with people. Um, Yeah, and I would say that um, 
if we don't know the whole story, it's because Marvel isn't commenting. Oh, and no because, question. And because, like, they were, like, honestly, the editor was probably bullshitting him on the phone as he was telling him he was fired. Oh, no, no question. And I was, I was only going to say that Chuck has a couple of really good threads. His initial thread, which was somewhat more emotional because it was kind of as it was happening. And then he followed up with a uh, kind of FAQ, for lack of a better term, thread yesterday, which was Saturday the 13th. And basically, you know, talking about how, you know, the excuse that was given is that a, this was because of his, uh, quote, his uh, uh, his politics and his vulgarity. And hashtag anonymous sources, which I'm not one of those crazy people who hates anonymous sources. But in this case, hashtag anonymous sources told uh, journalists who were looking into this that it was because of his vulgarity. Which doesn't make a ton of sense because Chuck has always been the exact same person on social media and he hasn't changed at all in terms of vulgarity or or his political opinions or his well or his political opinions the one thing that did happen in the past week is that one of his tweets against kavanaugh got picked up by the far right-wing media and got retweeted by the likes of ben shapiro dinesh d'souza um all of these all these all these fascist crazies who you know then it became a whole thing and so that's who that's the uh, attention that was attracted to him. So that's why I think to many people looking at this and trying to think logically about this, it does the quote the excuse of the quote unquote vulgarity doesn't make a lot of sense because nothing about his vulgarity has changed and his political opinions haven't changed, but the fact that he's getting more attention for them may have finally pissed somebody off. Um, I think it's also worth noting that the people, the the specific fascist assholes who complain about this are the same people behind Comics Gate and Rebel Force Radio and Gamergate. And, and, Gamergate. and it's, it's always the same people. And we know these people well. And the editor who fired him, Mark, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Mark Panacea, it's P-A-N-I-C-C-I-A. Um, Panacea. I, I don't, who cares? Um, follows <laughs> a n- noted leader of Comics Gate, whose name I won't mention because I don't feel like Kate and Kristen getting doxxed for mentioning his name, but mm-hmm. follows a noted leader and white supremacist on Twitter. He's a YouTuber. You know him. <laughs> yeah, you do. And you don't want to. Um, and so it's pretty clear where he stands. And this is the same editor who fired uh, Chelsea Kane, I believe, uh, who, again, was a woman working for Marvel who dared voice a uh, liberal opinion, a pro-woman opinion, and she was fired by marvel so you can draw your own conclusions about this it seems fairly clear what happened here um the other thing that chuck said is that what he only knows as far as he was told but what mark said is that this was coming from him it wasn't coming from anybody else at marvel and in particular it was not coming from anybody at lucasfilm or disney um he also said to Vulture in an article on Saturday that he spoke to his editors at Delray and they told him that he's good and that, quote, everything's A-OK. Hey, Tom. Or thumbs up, excuse me. Tom, if you're listening, we love you. Yeah, props yeah. to the folks at Delray who have always been good people. We love you and we love Elizabeth Schaefer. Tom um, is the uh, wonderful associate editor and uh, Elizabeth Schaefer is the head editor who work on the Star Wars books at Delray. Yeah, and Chuck's non-Star Wars books as well, are also published through Delray. Correct. Um, and okay, there's so much of what we cover on this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, so 
There's no indication that this is from higher up at Lucasfilm or anything like that, or Disney. If it was, obviously that's going to be a different thing. But I know we have many thoughts about this, but just to kind of get to... We can, we, we'll continue to talk about thoughts, but just to get to our thinking about this, you all, if you listen, know anecdotally that we have not covered Marvel podcasts in a very long... Or Marvel comics, excuse me, in a very long time. Uh, that has previously been because the editor-in-chief is C.B. Sapolsky, who uh, rose to fame inside Marvel as faking his persona as Akira Yoshida to basically give himself yellow face to give himself quote-unquote diversity points and try and increase his profile uh, despite the fact that what his it, writing wasn't good enough. What it was is that he impersonated a Jap- or took on the persona of a Japanese person um, writing under this pen name in order to get around Marvel rules that um, if you're under contract writing for Marvel, you cannot uh, write for other comics publishers. Yes. So... So he did it for money. Yeah. So he did it for... he did it for this blatantly racist thing for money uh, and was then promoted to editor-in-chief. So we already didn't read Marvel comics. We have, if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, tweeted about some Marvel projects because, and particularly tweeted pictures of Marvel comics that I have bought. And that's a decision that I came to basically just because we have a really good, really progressive local comic store that you know, we wanted to support. Shout out to Victory Comics. Yeah, shout out to Victory Comics in Falls Church, Virginia. Um, at this point, we are of the opinion that Marvel is bad to its core, and we will no longer be covering any of their projects on the podcast, on any of our social media, or talking about them in any way whatsoever, in a positive light, uh, for the foreseeable future. For sure. And I just want to clarify that um, we had already, um, all of us, made the decision to not cover the comics on the podcast. Chris Chris was posting those comics that he had bought personally as a personal decision, you know, with his money. Like, yeah. not for podcast purposes or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so that's what's going on. But uh, clearly something is rotten in the state of Denmark when you've got um, a motherfucker like Sabolski at the top who is tolerating bullshit like um, Mark what's-his-nuts like fu- firing <laughs> Chuck Wendig uh, and besides the fact uh, the Chris remind me is it the owner the CEO the president uh, the CEO of Marvel is also a uh, Trump advisor yes oh god yeah so um this <laughs> fuck me right <laughs> oh yeah this uh I'm sure this is painting a picture for y'all if you if you uh, hadn't heard about any of this yet yeah so which uh, frankly yeah I it wouldn't shock me in the slightest of if one of these right-wing media assholes uh, complaints about Chuck on Twitter got up to this dude and the decision came from there. That's me speculating, but... Yeah, for sure. And um, I just want to clarify that there's a lot that is squicky about the comics industry and comics culture and gamer culture and all this other stuff. Um, and we can we can debate that Um or not even debate. That's just kind of a fact at this point. Um, we can discuss. Talk about- yes, uh, we can we can discuss that endlessly. But um, we're focusing on Marvel and talking about Marvel because, of course, they are publishing things directly related to the podcast. So here here's here's the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's exhausting. It's frustrating. It's infuriating. It's because you know you look at this and you see. You know, I realize people have differing opinions about Chuck Wendig as an author and as a person. He is a person who 
can be very nice on Twitter. He is also a person who can be very gruff and not give you the time of day on Twitter. Uh, he like, is he's a person. He is a person. He is a person who has consistently used his position of privilege as a white man with a fairly high, pro- with a reasonably high profile within the nerd publishing industry, uh, to constantly call out what he sees as racism and sexism and all around bullshit, and. That is something he's consistently done and consistently painted a target on his own back for. And it is exhausting to see him treated like this. It's somewhat frightening for the publishing industry as a whole that we are seeing people silenced for their opinions and particularly people who have such privilege because what does this mean for women or people of color or particularly women of color who want to comment on anything like this? And he has pointed that out multiple times in the aftermath of this. Yes, yes. And so, you know, that's kind of, you know, we are not shy about our, I, I don't like the term political opinions because putting children in camps is not a political opinion, but we, are, we have not been shy about our opinions on this podcast, but it is shameful and really disheartening for the publishing industry as a whole, what Marvel's doing. And that's why we're no longer going to be supporting them as much as it really hurts us because they're telling some great Star Wars stories right now. Like, I, like... I've read some of the stuff that's out right now, and Afra is an amazing character who we're not going to read at this point. Uh, we are not going to finish either of the Darth, finish or start either of the Darth Vader runs, which have by Kieran Gillen or Charles Soule, which have been fantastic. And there's a lot of amazing storytelling that's doing really interesting things going on in Marvel right now that we can't support and we can't ask you to support in good conscience. And uh, I just also want to point out that um, the excuse me, uh, <laughs> um, our, uh, our, our, our dear podfather, uh, Brian Larson has, uh, ma- also made the decision that, um, the Tashi Saison blog and all of the podcasts on the network will no longer be covering the Marvel comics because this is absolute bullshit and we support him and we support Chuck 100%. Yeah. Which is handy for me because I actually owed Bria a couple Marvel reviews, so this takes those off my plate. Sorry, Bria. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, God so- bless. <laughs> We wanted to address this as it's some of the more major news that's happened on the publishing side of Star Wars in the recent past. Uh, Obviously, it affects what we cover and what we talk about on Twitter and on the podcast. And, you know, if you don't follow us on Twitter or haven't been aware of this, we want you to know and want you to know where companies and individuals stand on the state of the world right now, Mm -hmm. in addition to the state of Star Wars, because Star Wars is not and has never been something that occurs in a vacuum. Nope. And it has never been apolitical in and of itself, so... No, absolutely. It's so funny when people think that it is. I know. I'm like, are you guys stupid? <laughs> I mean, it's the about- answer is literally yes, Kristen. I know. It's about war. <laughs> the bad guys are literally named stormtroopers. I know. Like, <laughs> nobody informed these idiots. Nobody told my Mothma that it's called Star Wars. Like... <laughs> Oh no, poor Mom Mothma. She just doesn't know. She's like, I didn't know it was called Star Wars all this time. (sighs) Um, Anyway. I know I did not pipe up much during that other than to be me, but um, I completely agree with everything Kate and Chris said. And um, as with most things, uh, actually probably 100% of things on this podcast, um, (laughs) we decided this as as a group. So um, yeah, fuck Marvel. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean... They can go fuck themselves. Absolutely. And, you know, I was I was very sick this week, and so literally I woke... Ke- Ke- Keeks deserves snaps for bringing this to our attention, honestly, because I... Sorry, very Keeks voice, sorry, I fell asleep, but Keeks texted us letting us know what the news was, and we were probably very outraged, but honestly, like, thanks for thanks for keeping us in the loop, because we were not on the Twitters at that time, and oh god. Yeah, that's what, I like being on the West Coast, because it was like the middle of the day. I saw Keeks' text while getting tattooed, and so I was seething while sitting very, very still. His, your tattoos look great, though. Thank you. I'll tweet a picture of them when they heal. Please. Um, oh, also, we're joined today by uh, official, unofficial dog of the pod, Greg, who's, like, literally just sleeping next to me because it's all he does. Greg. Um, <laughs> I put a picture up in the Slack, so we'll try to put that on Instagram whenever. But yeah. he's uh, literally just laying here <laughs> Yeah. in, like, a mess of blankets. It's very Kate dog. <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah, we uh, need dogs and alcohol right now. So. We do. That's so right. yeah, to bring this to a close and talk more about <laughs> alcohol, we support Chuck Wendig. We're very excited to read Empire's End by Chuck Wendig, which we're reading in the early part of 2019. And uh, fuck you, point. Marvel. And yeah. yeah, fuck Marvel. We are not going to be promoting any of their shit in any way until further notice. And further notice is going to be when people leave the company. And that's yep. sad. And we're sad about it. And we're sad about it for you guys because there's a lot to talk about, but... Actions have consequences. Yep. With that, uh, so so. Oh, also one final shout out to Chuck <laughs> Wendig, uh, newly official band author of the pod. Aww. In my opinion. Aww. I scared him on Twitter once. You, you sure did, Kristen. You sure did. Oh God. With that, what's Never everybody forget. drinking? <laughs> Never um, forget. I'm drinking tea because I don't feel good. Oh, baby. I'm fine. I just have to get on a plane in a week. So I'm trying to be smart. Yes. <laughs> Not that I didn't drink forever always, but <laughs> uh, it's also the middle of the day. So uh, I'm having peppermint tea. Yeah. It's good. Kristen's also going to live in Denmark for like two months. So that's Bye. <laughs> We will still somehow be doing the pod because we will. Chris needs allegedly. hobbies. Hey, wow! I do need hobbies. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I allegedly need hobbies, or allegedly we will be doing the pod. Both, either. I guess. Let's go either. Fuck, fuck you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> we will be doing the pod as often as we can, and we, as always, will keep you updated with scheduling shit. But let let us not worry about it for now. Thanks, Geeks. <laughs> uh, what are you guys drinking? I am also having tea, uh, but I dumped a bunch of beef eater in my <laughs> Earl Grey because, yeah, nothing cures uh, me having a persistent cough left over from my cold and alcohol, right? Woo! That's sure, what they, let's that's say what yes. they say. That's medicine, whatever. <laughs> what it's gin, you, it's medicinal. Uh, I am drinking for once. Uh, I am <laughs> drinking coffee with some rum cream in it. So it is uh, It is Silk and Splendor Coffee from Phil's Coffee, uh, native <laughs> to Berkeley, California. Uh, shout out to Phil's Coffee. Fuck. Um, did, your mom, did your mom send you that? No, they're in D.C. now. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, they're great. I love them. Uh, so that's the coffee. And I have put in it uh, rum cream from Ray and Nephew, which is a brand from Appleton Estate rum in jamaica which we uh ooh, took a ooh. tour of on our honeymoon i'm sorry it's really funny to me that it's just ray and singular nephew 
Ray and his nephew. <laughs> All the other Ray ones. and nephew. <laughs> All the other ones. Suck. I also don't know why they didn't just brand it Appleton Estate. Whatever. It's it's whatever. <laughs> you know what? Th- Ray has reasons. Ray he, and you know, his nephew. Sure um, <laughs> but yeah, no, we went to Ireland, and like before Ireland, I was like, I've been drinking much lately. It's great, saving money, feeling great. It's awesome. And then after Ireland, I'm like, all right, so where do I get good whiskey <laughs> here in Virginia? Because Virginia's where an ABC state, and it's garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's awful. Mm. I would check to, at least to see because. ABC state means that everything's by the state, right? Yeah, so it means everything by the state, which also means that they don't have anything interesting yeah. for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> um, do yourself a favor and see, because we're also, I mean, we're like super state regulated, but I mean, they're independent stores, um, so they can order what they want, but they all, I think everything has to be like the same price everywhere or some mm. weird yeah, shit. Yeah, no, know. there are, in Virginia, there are no liquor stores yeah. that are not um, by the state. But because we are so closely monitored um, by the OLCC, Oregon Liquor Control Commission, um, you can see what stores have what and where yes. online. So yes, we have that's that kind of nice. <laughs> we have that too, and I've been looking for stuff. It's just they don't have any good stuff. But, okay, uh, well, I work I'm in sorry DC, for so. that. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I work in DC. There's a couple liquor stores near me. I'll take a lunch break one day. Oh, they they have good whiskey up at. Um, the liquor store i don't know what it's called um it's a door in <laughs> near where i used to live in eastern market um <laughs> uh, but it's in eastern market close to the metro so if you ever make it out that way um Noted. They, there's there's a nice guy in there whose name i'm currently forgetting but they're good people i might just be like capital spirits or some shit but um <laughs> yeah shit they're they're nice guys and i've uh i've gotten some good good uh whiskey recommendations from them so hopefully if they're still around i hope they are they're i think they've been there for a long time so don't go on sundays because that shit's closed yeah fucking blue laws (laughs) liquor liquor uh regulation in this country is just so a hot disaster wild it's why these laws literally haven't been updated since the 21st amendment was repealed it's truly odd is that the amendment yes yes you did it. Um, well, now that we're 22 minutes in, do you guys want to talk about Star Wars books? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's, even for us. It's all right, because we had a pretty light agenda for this one anyway. I know. So. <laughs> yeah. So we're reading Canto Bite, um, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, other people on this podcast, because um, I've only read the first little story. It's all short stories based on... Um, around Canto Bite, I guess? Correct. Uh, I, I guess... Uh, they're probably more classify them as novellas, yeah. I want to say, especially okay. since they're divided into chapters. Um, but yeah, it's for novellas, uh, the first one being Rules of the Game. Yep, uh, Rules of the Game by Saladin Ahmed. Um, and that is, uh, so, to give people an overview, uh, there's that. The second one is The Wine and Dreams by Mira Grant. The third one is, Oh, God, it's See Nothing, Hear Nothing, Say Nothing, I think. Some combination of that by Ray Carson. And then The Ride by John Jackson Miller. My fave. uh, (laughs) Friend of the pod. Um, and Friend of the pod. Poor guy. (laughs) I know, right? Um, And and so this is a book that came out as part of the Road to the Last Jedi promotion series. It came out about a month before The Last Jedi came out um, and takes place, as we're going to briefly talk about, uh, actually, we can put 
context clues together, A, all this is happening roughly at the same time period in Canto Bite, all four of the novellas, as we'll see. There's, as I said, there's context clues within there. Um, but two, we actually know that it's happening right around the time of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, because uh, in this first story, uh, the main character, Kedpin Shocklop, uh, is on a call two Ked. week call, call him Ked, all his friends do. Uh, is on a two week vacation to Ucanto Bite. And in a deleted scene in The Last Jedi, uh, he is in Zord's spa. So we know oh. it is that this takes oh, well. place within two weeks of Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Yeah, he's That's fucking wild. Yeah, he he's literally um just this little naked butthole alien with a towel running around. He <laughs> sure is. He is um, a wormel. He looks like a butthole. He, <laughs> he does sure look does. a little He's bit like pink. a butthole with an eye. <laughs> yep. Um, hear nothing, see nothing, say nothing. I think Thank you said you. it right. I, 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 said, I said those words. I don't know if I said it in that order. <laughs> it's fine. I just wanted to verify. I don't know how you remember things. If I'm not reading it, it's like... Uh, and even if I'm reading it, it's only about half right half the time. So, <laughs> But good job. <laughs> um, so this was a cool little story. Um... Like we said, we start out with the pink man, pink being. He's like short too, right? Yes, he is. Uh, he's small. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a smaller gentleman. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's. I my guess from seeing promotional images of him and in Last Jedi is he's about three foot three ish feet tall. Yeah. He's about Ewok sized, I think. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Less cute, less hair. <laughs> A lot less hair, definitely. <laughs> he also needs everything to be moist. Fucking Christ. <laughs> he does. He needs he needs evaporators. You, you know he what, needs the air to be moist. You know what he hated, guys? Sand. Hell yeah. <laughs> Gets everywhere. <laughs> he was very upset about the sand. Okay? Especially in his little bottle. Gets, gets oh my god. It gets in his weird uh, nostril slits. He's got uh, uh. like uh, I like. I was like, it's really hard to picture this guy as uh, Voldemort, but I'm like pretty sure they have like the same nose situation going on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yes. fan, ca- uh. fan casting kid uh, <laughs> as Ray Fiennes. Oh God. <laughs> Oh or like he would have to like be on his knees though and then cgi like he's not on his knees very fine crawling on his elbows yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh perfect thank you thank oh, you for that god i hate this podcast <laughs> i swear we li- I-, I liked the story um, i did too <laughs> um it's just like he's gross and not not likable and stupid but then at the end he's likable i guess yeah, I think like like all of that was definitely by design. He's very earnest. I know. Yes, which is very, huh. which is not necessarily appealing to uh, as people who are cynical like us. So, uh, if you've listened to any episode of the pod, you know we hate things. <laughs> so, anyway, we do. Mm-hmm. Also, we're very suspicious of everything. So we're like, "Oh, what are you doing?" Every single time we did anything, I was like. No, no, bad. I know. Bad. I, bad, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm from New York, so literally all of Ugh. these um, whatever uh, instincts were 
beaten out of me as a child. So this entire like I was basically growing hives reading this. Story. Oh, we're gonna talk about like how this could easily be happening in New York. Oh, for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. No, Ked would definitely very earnestly think that Chuck was fired for saying fuck on Twitter. No Aww. question. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I don't know. One thing I liked about this story is that like it's kind of a mo- microcosm of what we see in the galaxy at large, particularly like as the empires like coming to power, right? Because like the whole, it's called rules of the game. And the whole through line of the story is that there are rules to society. Kedpin is, you know, unabashedly a fan of the rules. You know, these are the rules, like someone's scamming him. Oh, maybe that's the rules here. Okay. Take all my money. Literally a thing that happens. (laughs) Um, But so Ked is like a fan of the rules and the other main character Oh, how how are we saying his name? Ang Lang. Ang Lang. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if we were going Ang Lang or Ang Long. Mmm. I'm saying I think I'm saying Ang Lang because of Ang in Avatar. So. I think I was saying Ang Long in my head because of An Yang in Arrested yep. Development. <laughs> oh, oh, both good arguments. Right. Anyway. Both both very strong arguments. Say it however you want, y'all. Um, anyway, Ang Lang Lahet. Um. Uh, and he is you know very much a cynical, realistic person. Uh, m- former mob fixer, assassin, thief, kind of jack of all evil trades. Jack of all murder. <laughs> jack of all murder. Um, <laughs> and they're talking about how the rules are stupid. And to me, like, Ked is like an example of how only, you know, there are always these rules in place, in, particularly in a more rigid society like the Empire, like authoritarianism. And only the good people play by the rules. Like, everybody's supposed to, but only the good people actually do. But then people in power are always corrupt, just universally throughout human history, throughout Star Wars history, obviously. Marvel history. (laughs) You said it, not me. Um, Throughout, throughout, so like the rule breakers are always corrupt. And so the rule followers are always the ones who get screwed. And so it's like watching Ked's journey through being this rule follower to the end where he, you know, bends the rules a little bit and it like pays off for him and like seeing how oh like sometimes rules are bad like sometimes rules are put in place by bad people and they're bad right i i really like though that at least in star wars we get um people who generally follow the rules um like head for most of it um people who break the rules so like your orson krennic (coughs) your excuse me sorry bless you your (laughs) your tarkins um and then you have People who are clever, like your Ray Sloans, who Leia's <laughs> or your Leia's, or who see see the rules, see that they're being broken, and figure out how to bend them just just enough to to get shit done. Yep. Yeah, and that's kind of where Ked ends up, right? Because like he he bent the rules of the the vapor the oh god what's it called vapor tech uh, vaporator <laughs> sales being of the year. How could you forget? <laughs> Um, because he, uh, you know, obviously as always spoilers for the section of the book that we read, but he hacked the system to Literally. win this trip to Cantobite. He's because the Russians. He is the Russians because he's yeah. been working there for a hundred, two hundred years, hundred two years, hundred two years. 102, I can yeah. remember which was which, um, he's been working there for a hundred two years and has never won and finally realized that it was all rigged so that, you know, the management won, uh, shout out to management everywhere. <laughs> Yo, um, fuck. Oh, God. Um, and so and so, like he, 
you know, the unspoken rules was that you need to cheat to win this game. And he's like, oh, okay, this is a really easy program. I'm a cheat. And then like his superior, as he saw him off, kind of gave him a like, I didn't think you had the balls to do it. Little butthole alien. Look. <laughs> I was so proud. I was also very only, proud. Only took him 102 years. You know, he was saying he has a long life. He doesn't catch on to things that fast, but he got there. He did. I know, yeah. they talked about how stupid he was so many times in this story. <laughs> He's earnest. Like, oh. I know, like, you know, I think that, so, as we were saying, like, it was just like, I, and this is not a knock on, like, necessarily in the writing or anything, you know, as I'm talking, Keeks can't edit out, you're slapping your tattoo, right? Sorry, it itches. <laughs> For those who don't have tattoos, you can't scratch them while they're healing, or else you'll fuck them up, so you have to, like, slap them lightly. If they're itchy. Yeah. If they're itchy. Yeah. You, don't, you don't just do that as a self-care, like, literally, like, that's part of the process. <laughs> Once every three hours, just slap yourself. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it ends up being what it is, though. Yeah. <laughs> just like, uh, I need to not help me. Oh, my God. It's so hard not to. <laughs> as I was saying before Chris started slapping himself, um, this is not even a, this is not even a knock on the writing. I think it's actually, um, you know, what the writing's supposed to do by design and the strength of the writing, but, like... Um, the fact that Kedpin is so earnest is, I think, it, it, it's, it's, it's the characteristic that defines him throughout the story, but it's just so interesting to me how, um, you know, I started reading, I started reading the story and I was like, oh god, am I gonna hate this? Because I don't want to hate it, um, because he was so fucking annoying <laughs> to me, again, because I've grown up in New York, I only lived in big cities my entire life, I'm just like, all of this is wrong, all of this is bad, all of this is just, like, giving me allergic reaction, um, but of course, it's that that earnestness and that desire to be honest and helpful and everything that um, uh, really turns the story around and um, you know, just it 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 redeems him really, um, even as it got him into so much trouble. So I thought that was fascinating. The two sides of that coin, and you can almost see where the switch happens as you're reading it, and that was so interesting to me as a reader. Who's more annoying, Kedpin or Tevin? Ooh. Kedpin. <laughs> I knew Mom was going to say that. I think it's definitely Kedpin. And we really don't like Tevin. I think See, Tevin's every episode. fine. I think Tevin's fine. He's very irritating. Oh my god. <laughs> um, Hashtag teen. Honestly, nope. this just tells, tells y'all what a little shit I was as a kid that I don't think Tevin's that fucking annoying, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Telling on yourself a little bit there. Yeah, Oi. <laughs> um, but enough about our good friend Ked. Uh, let's talk about Anglang or Anglong. Or Anglang or Anglong. There's so many, so many options. All four options. Are legitimate ways. I'm gonna like make a Twitter poll. This is how you pronounce angling. Just write angling, 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 angling. <laughs> Please do. Please do. That would not be on brand. Yes, it would. Um, but he like I get particularly, and I've as is the case with more of these books. Um, I've read this book before. Um, this is my second time reading it, and I kind of got Han Solo, darker Han Solo vibes from Anglang. He's just so mm. tired. He's, he's tired and like, he like, like, obviously, obviously there is a difference between, be, between him and Han because Han notably was a smuggler, not a bounty hunter, not a murderer for hire. Um, but we also know that like Han obviously wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. Han shot first. Han, Han shot first. <laughs> if you true. saw my unpopular, uh, Star Wars opinion when that was a meme going around Twitter oh, fuck you. the other month, I feel strongly that Han shot first. Um. Uh, 
But we know that Han is like, Han's the good guy, as Kara said, right? And like Han is the guy with the heart of gold who comes back to save Luke from Vader, who does end up joining the rebellion, who doesn't leave, and, you know, ends up being a stay-at-home dad for a hot second with Leia. And uh, Ang Lang is like very... I get that sense because obviously he's done worse things. He is a objectively worse being because of who he is and what he's done in his life. Right. Like if we had like morality points like we did on The Good Place, his numbers... Yeah, he's he's a lot more negative than Han, no question. Uh he that he that scale would turn red, no question. Um but he again has this heart of gold. Like he like at first feels bad because like Ked is just such a sucker. Like he's like Oh, I must be getting soft. Like, I feel bad about this. And then when Ked, like, stands up to the corrupt cop who is beating him up and, like, won't give up Angling, he's like, oh, I was not prepared for this. And he eventually, like, at great personal cost, doesn't go through with his plan to essentially kill Angling or kill Ked and the cop. He's going to blow him up. He's going to blow up Ked to kill the cop. And I know. Uh, doesn't I go through how- with it. I love how it was like, we don't want any of the rest of the cops to die, but we don't really care about anyone else. I know. It's like, damn. I know, right? Um, but he doesn't go through then. He's like, you know what? This is a bridge too far. Like, he has nothing to do with this. He's a legitimately good being, and I won't do this. I'm sorry. Now I'm just like, I have to, I, I'm laughing now about exploding buttholes anyway. Um. Uh, oh my God. It just reminds me of, um, I want to say there's a, there's a Denzel movie. I want to say it's Man on Fire, where he's like looking for... His, his, he's, he was guarding this little girl. He was like a bodyguard for this little girl and she gets kidnapped and he goes on a murderous rampage to save her. And at one point he, uh, kidnaps, uh, a cartel boss. This all takes place in somewhere in Latin America. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie, so I don't remember. Um, but he takes a cartel boss and kidnaps him and, uh, shoves a tiny bomb up his butthole and blows him up. Oh no. That sounds terrible. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So it just always reminds me of that. Um, Oh my god. Oh wait, I was going to ask Chris, when did, did you read this before The Last Jedi came out? I honestly have no idea. I don't think I did. No, you didn't. I didn't? I feel like you didn't. No, I didn't because I read it, I read it at Christmas. Uh, Because I remember reading it on the train. Just kidding. Okay, so it was right after? Yeah, let's say yes. Let's say yes. I was just asking because I always like to know where you where you're coming in at yeah mm-hmm. with the shit that gets released before the movies mm-hmm. yeah he's read every fucking book that we're reading on this podcast already <laughs> more or less seemingly <laughs> almost all yeah i've read every i've read all the canon that is out currently Ugh, God. all right okay chris <sighs> um, whatever <laughs> but yeah so anyway that was just kind of how i felt about Ang lang i don't know if you guys had thoughts about that yeah, he. I mean, he's a very Star Wars character, right? Like, he's like, oh, murdering is my job. <laughs> like, this is <laughs> what it is. Um, and so, wait, did we know about the crime syndicate he was part of? I don't. Before the story? Uh, don't we don't know so. what they are. Yeah. What syndicate okay. he's talking about. It it's, sounds like it's a local syndicate. Yes. Okay, cool. What are what are they called? He, he just refers to them as the syndicate. The syndicate, capital S. Oh, yeah. So they were literally called... Oh, my God. I remembered something. They were literally called the Syndicate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> woo! I did it. Um, I got the sense from how he was talking about how they don't have as much power anymore that they're kind of like a Cantonica local syndicate. Okay. Cool. And Cantonica is the planet that 
Cantobite is on. Correct. Yes, ma'am. Just so y'all know. Um, Because I don't think we actually introduced it. Um, But yeah, I mean, he's just like a fucking... It doesn't sound like he's a regular thug. It sounds like he's like very good at killing people. He's basically like an assassin for the syndicate. Um, So yeah, I mean, I was like, yeah, I've seen... I know the type (laughs) in Star Wars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think he's kind of like the syndicate's, like, Jess, honestly. Jess yeah, Mark. kind of. Exactly. Yeah. He's like a personal bounty hunter. Right, right. But also, like, you know, Jess, deep down inside of her, she's, like, shoveled a deep pit and squished him in there and then buried them. But she's got morals and feelings yeah. and stuff. That's kind of him. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Glad we talked yes. about that topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> one... Uh, another aspect of this that really struck me, the, both the first time and the second time as I was reading it, is I love this aspect of Ked as this kind of immigrant foreign tourist story. And I say that because to me, and I'll be interested because uh, to see what you, both of you, particularly you, Kristen, thought of this. I read Ked Pin as specifically an Arab tourist in New York or Las Vegas, and be, both because of... Uh, the way he is treated when he goes through security and kind of the way that he's just like looked down on by all the locals. Like there's this very like, obviously people are looking at him like he's backwards because he kind of is, but also like this untrustworthiness and scamability that locals are treating him with. And that was very, you know, like uh, earnest tourist in a big city or in Las Vegas uh, vibe that I got from him. And you want to talk yeah. about the security line as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I said, the security line, he's, like, specifically oh, yeah. pulled out of the, like, main security line and put into the police line, and he, like, kind of thinks to himself, I don't see anybody else going into this security line with all the, like, malcontents over here. And then, like, the security officers yelling at each other, why didn't you tell me he's missing this form? Of course he's missing the form. Why the fuck do you think I sent him over to you? Like, just like blatantly like talking about him like he's less than human, which obviously for any of, if, if we do have any specifically Arab American or just listeners of Middle Eastern descent is I'm sure a TSA experience that you have experienced and it sucks. Um, yeah. And I, I have not had much of it, but my, Mom's maiden name is uh, a Persian name, and so I've gotten a bit of that. Right, like you're not um, middle of Middle Eastern descent enough for it, for you to not be white, but you've gotten it enough that um, honestly, you should it, you should talk about um, what happened uh, <laughs> when your mom tried to get you a Christmas present that one year. Oh yeah, well, so I was in Arab. I, I took Arabic as a minor in college, and uh, my mom as a Christmas present one year in college got me Harry Potter in the first Harry Potter book in Arabic to like, you know, so I can test my reading comprehension. And it took like six months to get here. And when it did get here had very clearly been like opened and searched (laughs) multiple times, multiple times by security. Like it was just blatantly opened. Yeah. Um, so I just, this, just this lack of respect and treatment of people and their possessions as if they're objects with no significance by security forces. That and, you know, I've, I mean, I've seen you, like, you you don't look terribly um, Iraqi, but 
Enough so that, like, I've seen you get pulled out of security lines for, like, special screening and things like that. Oh, yeah. It, I, I mean, like... I, I'm, pri- I'm very privileged and it does not happen often, but it absolutely happens. Yeah, it absolutely happens. Like, not like not nearly, obviously, I'm not saying, putting words in your mouth saying, saying that you're, like, feeling persecuted to the extent that, like, actually, like, um, you know, brown, like, Muslim, Middle Eastern American, like, folks, or Middle Eastern period folks feel when they go through TSA or anything like that. But, like, it happens, like... To such a ridiculous degree that, like, you look a little bit brown in terms of features, and people just go bonkers sometimes. Yeah. It's also funny, and again, people who have experienced this more regularly than me, I would love to hear your experiences. But anecdotally, for me, it's funny how what worlds of difference. First time I traveled internationally was in 2007. Uh, so, obviously, the Bush administration, maybe 2005. I don't remember which. Might have been 2005. Um, but anyway, mid-Bush administration, and then we traveled internationally during the Obama administration a little bit, and then we just went to Ireland recently, and it's, you can tell who's in office by yep. the way the TSA treats you, mm-hmm. um, which is something. Oh, a whole ass thing. Mm-hmm. Which is something that would probably get me fired from Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so it's just it's just this experience which I... Not identified with, because as I said, I have it pretty good. Um, but... But you saw it, you noticed it. But I, but I, yeah, exactly, but I noticed it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, it's funny that you say that. I mean, I, uh, I didn't necessarily code him in my brain as uh, of Middle Eastern descent. Um, I was more like, this is like a Midwesterner who's never been out of Iowa. Mm. <laughs> oh, absolutely, um, that too. <laughs> but I think that's just because, like that's more top of mind for me being a a dumb whitey with family in the midwest um no <laughs> but, I, I mean I'll, I'll let you finish your point but there's actually something to oh, go on no um <laughs> but it's funny because like you said you felt like um like the tsa in like f- place like philly for example um i think obviously treats uh, people of color much differently than they treat everybody else, mm. but they also just have, like, a complete disregard for everyone. Yes, that too. Because, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, so I was just like, oh, yeah, that feeling of just, you're all animals, I'm hurting you. <laughs> it's like, great. Yes. I'm so glad I'm white right at this present moment and most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> privilege no is great <laughs> yes um and just um a detail i wanted to point out just to bridge your two uh viewpoints is um i don't usually like to bring necessarily author background into stories because i am very fancily a college trained to read literature and i don't believe in doing that but um i do want to point out that um i do i do like to read author background just because like for my own personal curiosity because like i like to know where writers come from being a writer myself i just find that kind of that kind of personal detail interesting but i was reading um ahmed's bio in the back of the book and he points out that um he's from he's from he's from and he lives in with his family dearborn michigan and for those of you who don't know obviously that's the midwest but um it is um very notable um for being i want to say the uh largest um population of the uh, Arab American diaspora in the U.S. Yes, uh, per capita. Yes. Yeah, 
Um, thank you. Maybe maybe total number, actually. I, uh, I Don't quote me on that. Definitely per capita. Right. I'm not entirely sure uh, myself. Uh, I should really Google that again because I used to know. Um, but uh, yeah, it is uh, interesting for being this obviously very American, very Midwestern, you know, traditionally, you know, white, like, we grow corn kind of American Midwestern sort of place, but um, just populated uh, major- in, in the majority by um, people of Muslim and Arab descent. And um, this is totally a sidebar, but um, if you want a really interesting look into um, the community, the New York Times a few years ago did um, a magazine, like, long profile about the high school football team there and how they um, played their games during Ramadan and how they, you know, kind of really, um, you know, I, as y'all know, if you've listened to the pod before, I really hate the term melting pot, but, like, how they have really combined, um, you know, this obviously very all-American activity, um, you know, childhood sport with um, their um, incredible culture. So um, I just wanted to point that out and kind of uh, point out that that's probably what's influencing these two distinct but very enmeshed vibes that you two are getting from having read this. And um, it was a great article, so fucking Google that shit. Yeah, absolutely. That checks out. <laughs> and and Kristen like, oh. Tier. <laughs> He's yeah. Arab and lives in the Midwest. This makes sense yeah. then. Yeah. No, and Kristen, to your point, another thing that I put on here is, you know, it could be an Arab tourist in New York, but it could easily be an, an American tourist getting scammed abroad. I know a, yeah. a story that me and Kate love is when we were in Italy <laughs> two years ago, we got, uh, you know, we, we did, it's Italy, there's tourist things that you just have to do. One of those is the Vatican. Um, and so we were standing in line for the Vatican and, you know, you get literally dozens of people coming up to you and asking in, you know, very broken English, like very, uh, Italian people asking in very broken English, you know, do you want to skip the line? You know, I have these special tickets oh, that you, if you give me a hundred euro right now, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, say tickets cost 50 euro. If you give me a hundred euro, you'll get tickets to get in and you'll get to the front of the line right now. Skip the entire line. And so what they do, obviously, is they um, they take your money and they dump you at the front of the line and then they run away. Yeah, like, and then and then you ask security, like, oh, I have these special tickets, and they're like, no, that's not a thing. You have to go to the back of the line. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and it just it reminds me of that as well. And so I think it, it 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 is a somewhat universal experience of being out of your element. Totally. I mean, there are all these fucking like dumb white Americans who are absolutely falling for it. So yeah, and I also think it's worth noting the importance of representation in novels because on the one hand like we all like on the one hand we can all see ourselves or people of our background or you know similar backgrounds in Kedpin and like this tourist who doesn't really understand what's going on but on the other hand you know when you have a uh a um universe like Star Wars that has not as many explicitly uh coded people of color and you've seen a lot of aliens that are star wars where matters yeah ex- well, exactly uh, uh you you get a lot of aliens that are kind of coded as people of color and that's the representation that people of color get Boom. but then something like this <laughs> then becomes less special because like on the one hand it is supposed to be universal and something that we can all read into but then that also means that people of color who are, are reading into it don't get a character that they alone can see themselves in and so it's just another mm-hmm. example of why 
representation is so important and has all these different layers to why it's important. Not that we blame the author for that, obviously, but like, you know, him writing, him have, writing his character and knowing Star Wars history of using um, non-human beings as proxies is like really significant here is all we want to say. Oh, oh, absolutely. Sorry. I not at all to imply that Salih Ahmed did something wrong here. I, oh, God, no. I love how he wrote Ked Pin, but just as exactly in the larger context of the Star Wars universe, you have this like debate like, and, and that's raging internally as you're reading this. Is he, you know, speaking as a white person, is he white like me and just doesn't know what's going on? Or speaking as, you know, I'm not a person of color, but if I'm a person of color reading it, like, do I identify with him more closely? Or, you know, as a as a white person who has had, who, because of your, like, f- like... Because of my hashtag melting potness. Because yes. of your ancestry, like, you have had, like, experiences because the government is racist. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it... It is just another piece of nuance to the representation debate that you all know we are very big into. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really... In- so we f- we know from The Last Jedi that there are tons of non-humans all the time um, on Cantobite. And I just like from a face value perspective, I really enjoyed all of the non-humans that were present in this story. And it's just always cool to see other species even if they look like assholes <laughs> i i kind of enjoyed the fact that almost none of them were named just Me, like as a yeah. random aside yeah. it just like made the universe feel so much bigger yeah yeah like i i just like i i you know i obviously you know just um visually uh canto bite in the last jedi introduced so many different kinds of species that we haven't seen before and none of them have necessarily been named yet although they obviously add um, so much needed diversity and color to the universe because we have read for a fact, I think it was in Life Debt, that um, non-humans outnumber humans in the galaxy, which makes sense, even though we haven't really seen that reflected in uh, visual media, but whatever. Except for Star Wars Resistance. We have- so far, yes, Star Wars Resistance is very non-human heavy. Which is great. You know, good portion of, quote unquote, good, not not used as an objective term. Yeah. Used numerically. Yeah. Numerically, yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I just, I just, you know, I, I love how none of them are necessarily named because, like, it doesn't really matter, honestly, what species they are. Like, at some point, like, they'll put out a visual dictionary and they'll tell us what they all are. But, like, I mean, Kedpin basically got a massage from a geodude and I don't know what the hell happened there or what that was or anything. And it was just great. Oh, did you not? And the the knife lady. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love the knife lady. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh. Kedpin, that- Kedpin being sexually assaulted by Korg from Thor Ragnarok is like one of my favorite parts of the story. Also, like, ta- tag yourself on Sharpie. You are, you are Sharpie. Oh my god, yo, true. you are. <laughs> what was she called? She was just calling him like stinky. I know. <laughs> I <laughs> smell <laughs> you. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It was great. I, Sharpie is like me when I'm drunk, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, I just loved Kedpin like going into like the hotel and being like there's you know or like just being out in you know the main square and just being like there's humans and there's clatoonians and i don't know even what the fuck you even are but there's so many of you like i know and like we're, we're putting this out in a way that like saying that like it really enriches the universe and improves like honestly the overall diversity of the universe not in a way that's just kind of like oh like you know when you when like white people go to like new york or something they're like oh that's cute black people like yes <laughs> yeah you know what i mean fuck <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I had a point. Oh, even the droids are running scams. <laughs> even the droids. 
Yes. I mean, they're probably have humans behind them programming them to be little shitheads, but I was like, oh my god, this is a scam droid. Is this a specific type of droid we've never seen before? Scam bot. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me of uh, um, Cad Bane's droid. Oh god, yes. What a great connection. I haven't even <laughs> thought of that. Because oh. we don't see a ton of like, like personal, like big personality droids. Right. We've got like the very much. We've got the, like the good giant droids, and we've got like IG eighty eight, and that's kind of like it. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Um. All right. So I just wanted to talk about two things just to wrap up really quickly. Um, the first one being, um, I really like how the story sets up, and um, Ang Lang even says how he and Kedbin are kind of mirrors of each other because they're of similar age. One of them is, like, cynical, and he feels like he's literally been in the game for almost 100 years, like, sort of thing. Um, and he's just he's just trying to get out. And then you have Kedbin, who is earnest and innocent, and he has literally only done one bad thing in his life. And um, I just love, seriously, that... Um, and and when a short one is tall and all this other thing, all this other shit, um, and I just really love um, from a literary standpoint that dichotomy it sets up because it just, you know, it's one of those um, things where it really enhances both of their characters and to see them to see them come together is really really re- rewarding. I can't talk right now because I had gin. Sorry, everybody, if I'm slurring. <laughs> No, I <laughs> sorry, everybody. <laughs> Yo, fuck you. <laughs> uh, no, that's uh, it's absolutely right, and I just kind of, I, you know, that's that's very much a Star Wars theme. Like you know, you see, you know, obviously most famously you have Leia and Han with, uh, I happen to like nice men. No, you don't. <laughs> um, but like it's, it's just this great feeling of like the different sides of all these coins that exist in the Star Wars universe and mm-hmm. the way the Force brings them together. So many coins. A lot of different coins. There's quarters. There's dimes. They're credits. Excuse the fuck out of you. And they're not coins. They're little, like, miniature gold bars or some shit. I don't know. That is correct. That's how I picture them. They are. Although I guess I don't need to picture them because that's what they look like, but... (laughs) Sorry. Movies exist. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell anyone. (laughs) It's my secret. (laughs) All right, before Keith gives away any... (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Anyway, the second thing I wanted to talk about really quickly is um, the only other place we've really seen Canto Biden literature is, um, funnily enough, in a middle grade novel. uh, We saw it previously in the framing narrative for The Legends of Luke Skywalker, which we discussed on past episodes, whose numbers I have no idea. Keeks will probably look it up for me in five seconds. I will look him up. Uh... But, uh, again, um, Canto Bite is so, and Canonica is so, it's so interesting for being, um, kind of what so far Sora's literature has been using for, um, slice of life, um, examples of what life is like, um, under the New Republic, on, in the shadow of the First Order before, uh, open war breaks out between the two. And it's just, interesting how it can really appeal to different age levels like the, that all that glitz and glamour and of course there's this shady underworld where kids are enslaved and you beat your father's and all this other stuff <sighs> i know it's terrible um 
But I do like how it's um, been used in Star Wars storytelling so far, including in The Last Jedi. I do not think the Canto by bits are useless. Cough, cough, all you people with opinions different from mine. Um, But anyway. How dare you like something about The Last Jedi? Oh my god, I know. Fake fan (laughs) handing in my card. I I quit the pod. I resign. Um, (laughs) Really, really an SJW opinion to like The Last Jedi, Kate. I know. Shame. Shame on me. And I'm a woman. I'm not a real fan. <laughs> Can't be in a way. <laughs> um, uh, it was episodes 47 and 48 that we discussed uh, the only middle grade book that we've ever looked at on the pod. Um, mm-hmm. So we discussed the whole book in one fell swoop. And then we did the wrap up with at Nancy Pants and at Shannon Joy, which is cool. We don't have guests on a lot, but when we do, we make sure they're fun and good. Hell yeah. Um, and it was, it was really, it was a really fun ride. So we highly suggest you both read the book and listen. Um, but anyway, I, I, I really enjoy how the setting has been used, um, which is making it very quickly one of my favorite, um, Star Wars worlds and cities and, um, places to be. So, um, just wanted to point that out before we wrap. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fun. There's so much happening and we'll talk, we'll talk yeah. more over the next few weeks about it- this and the view of the world that we get. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk about casino bullshit. Oh god! I oh, can't. we're gonna talk a lot about that, particularly <laughs> in the ride by John Jackson Miller. I, I legitimately That's what, I figured there was more to come. So oh god, yeah, and I legitimately can't wait for you to hold forth about casino bullshit. Um, just um, for those who don't know, um, as always, I'm putting words in Keeks' mouth because I'm drunk and I can't stop talking. Um, Do it. <laughs> uh, but Keeks grew up in the Atlantic City area of New Jersey. Um, and she has uh, worked in that industry, at least um, briefly. So um, I'm really excited to hear your perspective on this, especially since you kind of have a personal connection to what all is going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. And with that, we'll wrap up. So next episode, we're continuing with Canto Bite. We're going to be reading the story, the novella, The Wine and Dreams by Mira Grant. Um, Ooh, should I get one for that episode? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, this doesn't sound like you, Kate. Um, no, we'll, I'm really interested to talk about this because this is a somewhat... Polarizing is too strong a term, but people either like the story or hate it. Oh, Chris, what did you do here? Oh, Kate's hating my punctuation oh, in the outline. Uh, so I'll be interested to see, hear what you guys think of it. Guys, uh, commas go inside, quotation marks. Inside, we're not in Britain. If you're in Britain, they can go outside or wherever the fuck you want, I guess. But we're in America right now, so they go inside the quotation marks. Chris! In the meantime, follow us on Let's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, oh, or Tumblr, at BookWarsPod. Email us at bookwarspod at gmail.com. <laughs> You're a butthole alien. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to both us and the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed as always. Hope you get exploded by a small bomb. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> and Nano Detonator. <laughs> and if you do, uh, leave us a review. You're entered to win all sorts of fun prizes, including when we reach 20 reviews, a, cop- a paperback copy of Thrawn by Timothy Zahn. If you are able and so inclined, donate to the Tasha Station Radio Patreon and give to us uh, on coffee, ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. It really helps us cover our hosting and production costs as well as hopefully put together some swag for y'all at Star Wars Celebration next year. And every time you give us coffee, we'll post a picture of Hamlet on Instagram. Our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Butera Design. For Kate and Kristen, I'm Chris. Thank you for very much, as always, for listening to Book Wars Pod, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Chris. Bye. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Ah! <laughs> I love the air horns. <laughs>
What? What? Uh-oh. Crap. What? Crap. Up, up. Are you there? Yes. Yeah! <gasps> uh, <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs>